0: Today is, we are getting there, 925, it's September 25th, it is a Friday, so happy Friday for some weird reason, and I know yesterday was Dream Theme Thursday, and I know it falls on Thursday, but all day long, yesterday, and even early this morning before my brain kicked in, I just kept thinking today was Saturday. I was already on Saturday, so that's like today's a free day, right? But it's a Friday, and Fridays are actually really cool days for some reason. It ends another week in our lives, and we start planning again. But I have a question, and it says, Dear Nadia, I have been thinking about what you said about titles, and I discovered a belief in me which says, I need to prove my intelligence somehow or else I will not have a voice. No one will believe me. Isn't that just crazy? I have been trying to convince myself that I don't need to prove myself. Is this understandable? I have been told as a kid so many times that I know nothing and that I am somehow not good enough to be smart. I really want to get rid of this internal belief. It is not mine. Can I give it back, although I don't know who gave it to me exactly? Must be possible, right? Much love. Well, first of all, when we have inner beliefs, The people that we believe, whoever they were, that put them in there, don't say to you or don't say to us, well, you're not good enough to be smart or that you know nothing. And imagine anyone saying, well, you know, you know nothing. You're not smart. You're not good enough. They don't say it in those words because that would be kind of, well, in some ways, would be abusive if someone kept saying that to you over and over again because now they're they're killing your, your, I want to say, your potential. But if you kind of go back to feeling like that because of somebody saying things like, Maybe this is too much for you or you haven't learned how to do this yet or you felt like you always had to prove yourself, so anything anyone said reinforced that. That's also another way to look at that. I know even myself going back, when I took myself back to the fork in the road, I realized that I inferred those feelings based on what someone may have told me or where I went with it. Like, well, you can't do that. But they didn't tell me why. They didn't say I wasn't smart enough or they just said you can't do that. Most of the time, if it was my parents, I definitely said why because I wasn't understanding why not. So it's not like our smartness gets canceled or the way we can think or our potential gets canceled, but it can get tainted. So if somebody actually said to you, and I, and I want to really point this out because you would have remembered exactly who said to you said that to you when they said it to you how they said it to you because it would have been such a deep hit. You did take on that feeling as an internal belief from somewhere and that's why you're not really sure where. Because somewhere in there especially when people are only children so they don't have anyone to bounce off of, or, you know, when you're young, you fight, you argue, you learn to negotiate, you learn to stand your ground, you learn to fight for what you believe in through another child. We, we don't get to do that through our parents very easily. So what happens to us that are only children is that you grow up and your first, claiming that kind of space or thinking those thoughts because you had nowhere to bounce that off of yourself. Which I know sounds funny because you don't talk to yourself. But I know, you know, kids that were only children that were either parentified or made to feel like they can't do anything or made to feel like they need to do everything. It was like this extreme. But you don't have a place to work that stuff out. People used to, I know when I was younger, say, oh, well, they're an only child, and you would understand that they were just used to things just being the way they needed to be without a fight for them. And then you grow up, and you want to do all this stuff, and you're like, well, wait, why am I not equipped? And it's not that you're not equipped, it's that you still need to work that stuff out of how what it feels like when you don't get your way or when... Your parents' attention isn't all on you because you go to a company, all their attention isn't going to be on you. It can't. But bigger than that, because we can't go back and rewrite history, but what you're left with is the internal belief that you have to prove yourself. And can you give it back, although you don't know who gave it to you? It's time to just, and I would do this, record myself. I say record yourselves all the time because you need to hear your voice since you can't source your issue. And start talking. And I would start with the earliest feeling that I ever felt could not feel like I did something right. When did I feel that? Because there was something, I actually had the source not too long ago. I never thought of interviewing for a job and not getting it. I never thought it, ever, In my lifetime. And almost every job I ever interviewed for, I actually got. But it wasn't because I was so great. It was because I knew what I wanted. So because I wanted it, I didn't have to prove that I wanted it. That was already stated in my mind. But to me, I wanted to know if I wanted to work there, would they have been an environment that I could do what I wanted to do? Because I knew what I wanted to do. Let's say I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I went for that job interview. I would be worried about everything. Did I dress right? Will I answer these right? Will they want me? Instead of, will I want them? Because it is an energy exchange. We need to do that with ourselves. That energy exchange that we have, those interactions we have in our own minds about, should I do this or shouldn't I? Your bigger question is, why do I want this? And is this place the right place for me in my life. When we say I need to prove myself and I'm constantly trying to convince myself that I don't need to prove myself, which is what you're asking, you know, that's a big leap in growth because you are switching from trying to please the interviewer to trying to find your place in life. These imaginary people that we try to please, who are they? And why is their existence, accepting our existence, so important to us? Think about that. They are a soul just like yours. They come with their own Issues. They go home at night, they have to make dinner, they have to shop to eat. If there's anything the pandemic put on the table in these last over now six months of all of our lives, is that no matter who you are, we've seen so many homes, people who are interviewing, they all have a home, a backdrop in their home. We know they shop. We know that they get dressed for work, that they put their work hat on. If they were trying to prove to us something, we would not listen to them because we would feel that desperation, that pressure, but if they really knew what they were talking about and they were sharing it with us, we get really excited to hear what they're going to say because we know they're going to offer us their life's experience. So the whole thing about proving, that becomes a mindset that grows wings and takes us down a road of keep feeling like we have to do something big for everyone to really see how smart we are. Think about that. I'm going to change the world. Something you haven't started, you say you're going to do. Let's say you're going to write a book, or you're going to create a a whole garden for a community, or you're going to, going to, going to, and then as people are asking you about it, you haven't really even started. But you want to show people what you're capable of instead of doing it and understanding what that capability needs and then whether or not you want to do it or not. I know many people who want to write a book. But then I always say, well, what what do you want to share What do you want to talk about? Because what happens is there's two ways, you know, if you're going back to the fork in the road. If you want to write a book, is it because you want to write a book? To say you wrote a book, or do you have something to say? Because if you have something to say, you have something that when you sit down you can't help but share. But if you don't know what you want to say, but you want to create it yet, then you have to ask yourself why you need to write a book to prove that you wrote a book. There's people I know who are, there was a man in his 80s, and he's one of those angel investors who knows so much about how to look at money that I have never heard from anyone before. How to look at your finances, how to use money as a tool. And I said to him, why are you just telling me about this? Why don't you take what you just told me and put it in a book? Because he had nothing to prove, he was able to write the book. I know that sounds crazy. Because you think that somebody would have something to prove, but when you write a book and it comes out of desperation and forced feelings, when people read your writing, they will also feel that. That's the beauty of books is you get inside of someone. You feel everything they're doing, everything they've done. You feel the weight of the words that are true. And so every day for about six months, he sat at his desk and wrote for three hours a day, just like very disciplined, which was, how he is all throughout life. He's a trained attorney. He's retired. But he still goes and sits at his desk every day. So in six months, he was done. Instead of depending on me because I wrote a book about publishing a book, he started researching how to publish a book. I gave him some pointers along the way. But he didn't want to do it and then dump it all on me and give me a whole full job of getting his book out because where am I going to find That's a whole nother profession. And now he has a book out. And it's one of the best I've ever read. And all he did is took what he always says, he broke it into chapters, and he did it. He didn't do it because he could say I wrote a book. He now even forgets that he wrote. But it was very, very healing for him to feel he left his knowledge behind. When proving ourselves comes in, it's like that. You know how we say expectation ruins everything. Proving, it's it, it, proving ourselves is a completely different energy. a completely different energy than doing something we love because there is no it's like being perfect how do you know you've proven your intelligence to yourself and then you felt like you said or else what was it i need to prove my intelligence somehow or else i will not have a voice no one will believe me Let's say I need to prove my intelligence to myself. Otherwise, I feel like I can't talk because I don't believe me. Not no one will believe me. Who is the no one? When when I hear that, I feel the weight of everyone. Like, oh, man, I got to prove this to everyone? It's because you are not believing you, because you know you have said so many things and maybe not have done them. But instead, my question would be, why do I not feel enough passion to want to do that? Oh, well, you know what? That's not my thing. I'm actually happiest if I'm gardening all day. Or I'm happiest if I'm exercising all day. Well, wow, that's nothing that I can prove to anybody. So I don't want to do that. I want to do this over here that's bigger and shinier and people can see how smart I am. But when you accept how smart you are, that's a whole different story, isn't it? It's a whole different story. A great example of that, a great example of it, is I do a lot of interviews when people ask me. And a lot of them, you know, there's somebody just starting out, somebody who's just starting to interview. Um, They're younger. they They could be even the age of my own children. But I do them because I love to talk about what I do. I can't help it. I know if somebody hears it for the first time, it will make a difference in their life. I know that. I don't question it because it happened to me too, but you know what I found out that every time I do those interviews, they're the interview that they don't opt, like they don't post it. They'll put it on their website, maybe even not. There's one interview I just did a few weeks ago, and it was super long. It was like an hour and a half. But it's a chat, and there's a lot in it. But I would definitely, if I were going to listen to that interview, do it on a walk and maybe on two walks just to, you know. But there's a lot of good in it. But, you know, we're pretty crazy now and we want everything in a minute or two so I really don't expect that anyone would listen to the whole thing but I realized that every time I do an interview those are the interviews that they won't put on their Instagram or they won't you know they'll let me know it came out but there's one person who even numbered them like one through mine was show 37 the last one I did Only one, not on the Instagram page. And instead of feeling bad, I started to laugh. Because I go, wow, that's still going on. That's still going on. Because when you mention the word Christ, which I can't get away from, they don't know what to do with it. And they're embarrassed about, well, I interviewed this woman. However, I learned a lot, which is what was in the write-up. And she even wrote to me two or three times for advice after the interview. But I already knew that would happen. The fact that it happened again I thought, oh, you know, one day they'll pull that out and say, oh, they interviewed me. Oh, my work isn't good or my work, I don't, I'm not looking for my work to be good or bad. All I feel is the value to myself. I believe in my heart of of all, anything I could ever believe. Because I have learned through Christ, without a religion, I have learned through Christ how, how to do the things I always had in the back of my mind to do. And the person wrote me, thank you Nadia, I am listening, what a revelation, this is so deep. I completely understand the mess that proving creates. I know the energy of loving to do something is something totally different, and I have done and am doing what I love in some areas. But I feel guilty afterwards like I have not done my chores and I am lazy. Well, that's going to answer this question I just got on chat that, please, Nadia, if there is time, I was wondering does the ego live in a part of our brain or is an energy outside of us? First of all, the guilty, fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt are all ego and they want to separate us from ourselves. And no, it does not live in part of our brain, it is an energy outside of us. But what it does do is respond to what we're thinking. And remember when I said, if you own your vulnerability, nobody else can. When you don't own your vulnerabilities, anything, meaning ego or a person, can own your vulnerability. Because ego attracts ego. Think of it that way. Oh, man, I'm an ego in my mind. Holy cow. That's why I feel guilty. I've gotten so used to beating myself up that I don't even know that guilt is ego. Don't even realize that that's what's going on. So what I would do if I were you is those areas I love, I would stay there. At least you know you love that. Even if it's only one thing in your whole life, if you love something, see it through. Because it's the only way to know what kind of commitment comes when you naturally love something, how it cannot stop you. Nothing that gets in your way is bigger than the love that you want to do that. Ego cannot come in and compete with love. So if there are some areas you're in that you feel that that feeling, like you have to prove something or you have to be extra special, that's your ego setting you up. It's like the expectation ruins everything. The expectation is getting back this reward from the people, whoever the people are. And then there you are, left high and dry, like you don't feel what you're doing. Because ego has a great entrance plan, but it never has a completion. It is a teacher, not a destination. And if you keep listening to it, it's going to take you nowhere, because it doesn't have anywhere to take you except to greater depths of despair. And then it acts like your friend. Oh, you poor thing. Nothing ever works out for you. Oh, I just can't believe it. Not again. I could have said that about my interviews. But instead, I thought it was actually kind of funny. Because I knew why it happens, but it doesn't mean that I stop working. It just means that I love doing it. And something in me tells me when Christ said to me, Keep yourself busy. Keep yourself busy. I say, Oh, I'm still keeping myself busy until it's time for me to ripen. I'm not trying to force the ripening part. I feel ripe. I feel ready at any given time. Because my heart, my intentions, my truth, my love, my purity is stronger than my ego. My ego would tell me, oh, you should just quit. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? My heart can't see it any other way. So if my heart can't see it any other way, why would I go against my heart to buy into something less than love? The fact that I'm even aware of it, the question becomes like so obvious, but what if I wasn't aware of it? Then I would be in that I have to prove myself. And anyone who didn't do what I wanted, I would be super mad at. But I don't even need to do that because I'm not in that place. I don't have a vulnerability when it comes to my work. Sometimes I get tired. When I went to raise money, it kicked my butt. Did I cry myself to sleep? Yes. Was it hard? Yeah. But it wasn't a deterrent because I wasn't living in the ego part of it. Like, well, i got to publish this book. I was like, I have to publish this book before I die, which is a completely different energy. Think about that. It's a great question to leave lingering over the weekend. Do I really love this or not? Is it my ego or my heart? Because they're completely different paths and different levels of enjoyment and peace and contentment along the way. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for responding during the show. Thank you, Maria, for the chat question. You guys have a great weekend. I love you guys so much. I will see you on Monday. Bye-bye.